0: It's the Adventures of Indiana Jim for July 21st, 2019. Coming to you not exactly live from... The
1: Cliffs of Insanity! Where life is an adventure. And if adventure has a podcast, it must be Indiana Jim. You have chosen my Don't tell me you've never heard of me. I'll explain. And I'll use small words that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog faced buffoon. Have you ever heard of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates? Yes. Morons. You, boy, are arrogant, hot tempered, entirely too bold. I like that. Reminds me of me. I don't believe um, I've seen such a display of courage, skill, nerve, grace, and stupidity. And now. That international man of mystery. That intrepid arch-geekologist, Indiana Jim. I have entertained in all the courts of Europe and speak a ready wit in their every tongue. I told you I was famous.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Adventures of Indiana Jim. That's me. Today, this week, this episode, we are discussing... The Big Leap, a book by author Gay Hendricks, Um, a book about not just personal development, um, but a book about realizing your own potential in the world, Um, understanding what it is you're good at, what it is you're best at, how to unlock that and manifest that in every part of of our life. Um, In particular, it's interesting to me because as a creative person, I'm a writer, I've been a musician, um, I'm a podcaster, do some graphic design here and there for my YouTube channel. Got a YouTube channel, got a couple, but (laughs) nothing I really do anything very um, much with. But the idea of The Big Leap is getting out of just stuff you're good at and really what you're best at, figuring out what that is and what that looks like. So we're going to discuss the six biggest lessons that I learned from reading The Big Leap. As you may recall from the last episode, I was talking about how I was going back through my notes that I had been looking at, that I had been taking from not only The Big Leap, but also notes uh, from Tony Robbins' book, uh, Awakening the Giant Within, which I'm, I'm not even halfway through. I think I'm halfway through. I don't know. It's it's huge. It's an, it, an enormous thing. But as I was saying last time, looking at my new perspective, my new paradigm, instead of the I'm not good enough paradigm, trying to look at it with some fresh eyes and see if I came away with any new or fresh observations. And they may not be new and they may not be fresh, but they may be new to you and they may be fresh to you. And they're at least me kind of rethinking through the major topics of that book. Um, So I want to, Say this real quick at the outset. So, I've submitted the Adventures of Indiana Jim to multiple providers of podcasts. And if you go to theadventuresofindianajim.net, so if you go there, you'll see on the sidebar now are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different buttons, places where you can find the Adventures of Indiana Jim. If you go to the website and you've got your favorite podcasting app. We've got Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, Radio Public, and even a site called Listen Notes, all of these places where you can find the adventures of Indiana Jim. So I'm hoping that in that effort that I may have, uh, because it was only really, it was only on Apple, it was only on iTunes, and so um, I I think it might have been on Google Play I, I had to resubmit it, I think. Well, the writing crusade was on Google Play, but that feed is no longer active. So now having the Adventures of Indiana Jim, the whole feed on there um, is now easier for people to find it. So I'm hoping that there may be an influx of some new listeners, people that have been searching for podcasts on those apps. If you listen to the show and you want to recommend it to your friends, please do so. And I just want to say to anyone who's just recently discovered, the last few episodes, um, well, the last two episodes, including this one, so the last three including this one, Um, and all the way back to January 21st, The Power of Making a Decision, all of these have been kind of in that personal development space, and I've, I've not ever made a name for myself in that space, and I don't necessarily plan to, at least here, on The Adventures of Indiana Gym, because I am a writer, I like to write, I like to make stuff up, I like to create things, I like movies and music and and I love geeky things like Star Wars and Star Trek and fantasy novels and, and all kinds of stuff like that. So I want to let people know who tune in that this is kind of a, I don't want to say it's a variety show because when you say a variety show, that brings up a different idea in people's minds. But I do want to say that we're going to get back to more of the kind of genre entertainment focus a little bit. And kind of do it all. So from the, whole, from the standpoint of I am, a, I am a whole person with many different interests, and right now I'm going through a phase in my life where I'm trying to improve on myself and improve on how I deliver my gifts to the world, I guess is the way I'm putting it, is, is that all of this is affecting what I do in the future with my podcasting, with my writing, with, with anything. And so what I'm doing is I'm inviting people on a journey to be a part of that, to share in that. And I know it's been really serious the last few episodes, but I promise we'll get a little less serious and a little more fun um, as we go. Well, hopefully this has been fun. Hopefully this has been interesting. Hopefully that you've learned something and you've been encouraged by something. And above all, my shows don't, my episodes don't really last very long. So, um, Hopefully, you find value here. And if you do find value here, please email me, podcasts, no, Podcasts at gmail.com. That's podcasts, plural, or podcasts as a verb, indianagympodcasts at gmail.com. You can call the voicemail line at 760-705-INDY, that's 760, <clears throat> excuse me, 760-705-4639 on the Google voicemail. So please do that. Let me know. Find me on Twitter, at Indiana Gym. <clears throat> and of course, I am on Facebook, facebook.com slash Indiana Gym. That is my Indiana Gym page, not my uh, personal Facebook. So you only get relevant stuff there every now and again. Consider that my mailing list. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to dive into the topic right here. And that is... The big leap, and that is uh, the big leap focuses on a couple things. There's two larger concepts that you get from reading the big leap. One is called the upper limit problem. The other is called the zone of genius. Now, the upper limit problem is what keeps us out of our zone of genius. So, to quickly cover that real fast, we all have. Well, let me just all dive into point one: the upper limit problem. Is real, and the idea is that there is a limit to how much abundance, love, and creativity we can experience, and it all comes down from what I've learned, from what I've read, to what we believe about ourselves. It's this idea that there's only so much I can achieve, there's only so much I can actually attain without something in my psychology limiting what that is. Now, that may be something from our upbringing, so maybe you were taught that rich people are evil or bad and that nobody ever gets rich honestly and that there's um there's a virtue in poverty perhaps or a virtue in not earning too much um there are other ideas like um in Australia especially there's this idea of don't be the tall poppy you know you don't if you at least this is a cultural thing. It may not exist as much anymore. It may be an older concept. I'm not sure, but the idea that if you if you get too much ahead of yourself, you get too much above other people, someone's going to knock you down. Uh, that it's not maybe it's not polite. Maybe it's you know you don't want to stand out, uh, which is kind of opposite from the American ideal, which is you want to stand up above everybody else. Everything's a competition, and I don't necessarily agree with that. So there's different reasons why we have an upper limit problem. Some reason why we can't get that uh, abundance or the feeling that amount of love or f- having that much success or being that creative. There's a reason why it, it gets in the way. And my upper limit problem, I didn't even know what it was reading through the book. So there's a quote from Gay Hendricks. It says, it's from the book, some part of you is afraid of enjoying positive energy for any extended period of time. The thoughts you manufacture are guaranteed to make you return to a state you are more familiar with, and you'll encounter this going when you go through. If you go through the materials from Tony Robbins, just reading reading one of his books or watching one of his videos, you can find a lot of this stuff um, from Tony Robbins, and especially if you go on Google Play if you have Google Play. You can find his um, Winning Edge series, and it has a lot of kind of a the Cliff Notes version of of mostly his major points, what he talks about. And this idea of, of the emotional state, you know, choosing the emotional state and what we focus on determines what kind of emotional state we're in. And so any time that I experienced positive feelings, if you remember back to what I talked about, my major challenge, my upper limit problem was the feeling of inadequacy. And it wasn't just inadequacy, like, oh, I'm just not good enough for that, but a, a sense of, of actually being defective, of, of being cursed um there's this idea from the bible there's um and this is kind of an old testament thing is that the the sins of the Father will be visited upon generation um upon generations to come and the the idea behind that is the decisions you make affect your children- your descendants i mean it, the things you do wrong or the things you do right either way and I think we can all agree with that it affects your family tree and so this idea that my family is particularly cursed with this this thing of of this sin of marital infidelity, or maybe that's it, broken families. That's what I meant to say. So that's like like the idea is that that's a curse that I have to overcome, um, but not just that other things as well. And a lot of the the bullying that I experienced and and things that happen to me to make me feel like I'm not good enough. There's another quote from Gay Hendricks in the book. We're born into stories that keep us from accessing our genius. We grow up among those stories and become like fish that aren't aware of the water that they're swimming in. So I was born into a story of marital infidelity, um, of verbal abuse, um, <clears throat> the legacy of physical abuse for my grandfather. And we are born into this story that this is what our family is like. And it's hard to overcome that because like fish, we're not aware of the water that we're swimming in. So until you can come to grips with, here's what I was experienced young in life, early in life, here's how it has affected me. Until you realize where that all comes from, you can't overcome your environment until you realize what was wrong with it? All of those things, <clears throat> not just just being inadequate. Oh well, you know, because if you're if you feel inadequate, you can learn a new skill. You know, I don't have the skill to do this, so I'm going to learn it. That doesn't mean you can't learn it. And so it's it's not just I can't do this because I don't know how yet. It's literally I'm not made to be able to do this. And so that's when I realized, and I, wow, there there is this thing, this upper limit problem that I have because I was, you know, who doesn't want to feel total success and, and, and love from people, and, and who doesn't want to feel completely fulfilled? But it's not about a desire. It's not about a, a conscious thing. It's it's up in your your subconscious, and that leads us to point two. And that is this statement. Solving the upper limit problem requires a leap of consciousness. Now, I know that may sound weird to me, a little woo. You know, to some people, but here's the quote from the book: "It cannot be solved by gathering information or replacing one set of information with another. The upper limit problem must be dissolved by removing its false foundations. The idea of having this problem that needs to be solved, no, it needs to be dissolved. In other words, it's it's a false statement. It's a the problem is false. The problem is not real. Um, it is real in that." We perceive it to be real. It is real that it is in our way, but it is not real in that we can dissolve it. We can we eliminate the foundations of it, and we can dissolve it. It just falls apart when you eliminate the foundation. So when I realized where all my poor decisions were coming from, what thinking led to so much of my uh, mistakes and errors in life, or just the, the you know. I'm having a hard time making the words today, but <laughs> anyway, it, so here's, here's what, I, what I wrote down. No matter how much I would listen to Tony Robbins or Cliff Ravenscraft about changing my emotional state by changing my focus or how many legitimately positive and healthy things I could list, it wasn't until the source of my upper limit problem was revealed that I understood why I had self-destructive behaviors. So the idea here is that simple intellectual understanding is not enough to get you over this, whatever the upper limit problem is. You know, this idea that some people tout that, oh, these people that are all about positive thinking, the critics think that it's all about making something up to make you feel good. But it's not. Anytime you listen to Tony, it's let's find out the real thing that we can be grateful for and build on that. The idea is that there are so many things in your life that are positive that you can be grateful for, that those are the things to focus on instead of focusing on all the bad. See, there are bad circumstances, but there are good circumstances. No one walks through life with completely negative circumstances. And if if they do, maybe they do, I don't know. But um, if you... Paying any attention to Cliff Ravenscraft material. You'll know that there's a guy who was born without arms or legs. And yet he's a motivational speaker. He has a beautiful wife. He's got a family. Nick Vujicic. So uh, the way you spell that is V-U-J-I-C-I-C. Nick Vujicic born without any arms or legs and yet he's a motivational speaker he goes out there and and, and he's from australia also and he's born with tetraamelia syndrome uh, a rare disorder called phocomelia i guess characterized by the absence of arms and legs so here's a guy who who paints who apparently swims who skydives I mean, he—he's an amazing, inspirational guy. And so, what do you have to worry about? I guess is the question there. So, again, you have things to be grateful for. Do you have both your arms? Do you have both your legs? Well, you're ahead of the game for for compared to Nick Vujicic, um, and so am I. <laughs> so, um it it's all about perspective he's not lamenting what he doesn't have he is using what he does have he is grateful for what he does have and he uses that to encourage people and to inspire people and so this idea you know the idea is that you can't just it's not a mathematical formula you don't just insert new information and oh, now i understand now i can go do it it's not like it's not like learning how to Build something or or you know it's not like i don't know learning how to bake a cake, you know you make the ingredients and put them together the right way and cook it the right way and now I know how to make a cake It's much deeper than that, and so until you realize where the source to your upper limit comes from, you won't understand why you exhibit these self destructive behaviors you know looking it's like looking at the symptom rather than the cause. And so you can look at your self-destructive behaviors and you can try to find a pattern and see where they all come back to, but it wasn't until I really understood it in my heart where it was coming from that it all made sense to me. Number three, we need to get past substitutes. Here's the quote, getting past the upper limit problem means creating space within us to feel and appreciate natural good feelings rather than substitutes from alcohol, sugar, and other short-term fixes. And this is what leads us to addiction. So when we are in the practice of seeking our own physical pleasure, our own stimulation, we open the door for a chemical addiction to endorphins and dopamine that is as strong as any addiction to mood-enhancing or pain-killing substances. This is why you have people who have addictions to video games, or addiction to gambling, or an addiction, you know, a sex addiction. These... Things, these, this chemical addiction that we generate inside our bodies, is just as artificial as those as as the external, um. Whatever, what external sedatives or uh, what's the what's the word? Shoot, that thing where you, <clears throat> it's not a sedative. It's a, eh, it's a. Uh, well, gosh darn it. What is that word? It makes you, like, it makes you, something that makes you hyper, uh, yeah, yeah, you you can think of it. Well, anyway, it's, uh, if we don't begin to understand on an emotional level the pain that we are actually experiencing, we can't overcome these substitutes. So, like, with addicts, you know, if you don't understand what got them started and why, then you can't help them. You know, endorphins and dopamine, it's as strong as any other substance we might put in our bodies, any um, caffeine or or alcohol or anything. And so, now sometimes we have physical pain, that there's a physical cause for it, that there are drugs to help us with that. But when we're, when we are self-medicating to try to improve, improve a feeling. That's where we get into trouble. And that's where we get into substance abuse and that sort of thing. Number four, we automatically reinforce our own self image. And this quote comes from Tony Robbins here. Human beings absolutely follow through on who they think they are. The strongest force in the whole human personality is the need to stay consistent with how we define ourselves. You will find yourself acting a certain way because that's what you believe yourself to be. The implications of this are huge. Our subconscious mind operates in such a way that it will seek to reinforce what we believe makes us who we are. It doesn't just come down to, oh, I agree with this, or I like this. It's, this is a part of me. So the reason that I didn't feel like I was making any progress at any time was because I was fighting against the strongest force in my own personality. It wasn't just that I thought poorly of myself but that I believed fundamentally that I was deficient. And so my subconscious mind says, we are deficient. And so it acts in a way that causes me to exhibit my own deficiencies. And the big leap is the idea of we we have these four zones, the zone of incompetence, the zone of competence, the zone of excellence, and the zone of genius. Now, we're not talking about Einstein or Hawking or anyone that you can label, oh, that man is a genius. That's not what this is talking about this is what you do best. This is your own particular genius. This is what sets you apart from other people. And so if we believe that we are deficient, we can't make the big leap to that thing that we do exceptionally well because we don't believe that we even have anything like that. Until you can come to grips with your own definition of yourself, you will never be free to grow. Overcoming it is the simplest thing. Once you can see it and acknowledge it, then it just dissipates, like turning on a light in a dark room. Once you realize the foundation of your upper limit problem, like I said, it just dissolves. It, it just goes away because nothing the, the, the thing that supported it isn't there. So number five limiting beliefs can affect your children. I kind of touched on this a little bit ago, but there's a quote, and you'll see on the website, It's and it's this, there's no money to be made in music, don't you know? Now this is a quote from my great-grandfather, who's my dad's grandfather, who was my dad's mom's dad, is who, who it was. And so he's famous at having said this at some point in the 60s, you know, during the the rise of popular music in the 60s. He said, there's no money to be made in music. My dad and his brothers were all very talented musicians and singers, all have great singing voices. and They've exhibited that talent to varying degrees over their life. Now, this saying was often referred to with, you know, a knowing smile and a laugh, and you, you know the heart behind it. You know, the idea is that parents and grandparents, they want their kids to do, they want them to live in the zone of excellence. They want them to do what's safe. They want them to do what's logical, do what's comfortable, do what is more guaranteed to offer the security, the financial security. But this statement makes basically tells us two very insidious lies. The first one is that making money is the chief aim of a person. Now, granted... We look at life and we go, well, I have to have shelter, I have to have food, I have to have transportation, therefore I have to have money. Yes, you do have to have money, but it's not the the emphasis on, well, I want to do music. Well, you know, there's no money in it. Well, that's, that's not really the point. I didn't want, I didn't say I wanted to do it to make money. How about that? So... Granted, when you're looking at a career, you have to first look at the safe bet. But then don't give up on the thing that is your gift. Do that on the side. Work on that. Make that into something that you can use later on to do that. It's not that there's no money to be made in music. That there's not much at first, but there can be later. And then the other one is that The other lie is that someone can't make a living pursuing what makes them happy. So what happens is maybe you hear something like that. Someone that you look up to as a kid says something that echoes in your mind years down the road. And it may not be something that you will consciously believe because you can look at the state of music and go, Oh, that person is making a living in music. Why can't I? But the idea is that we don't put ourselves on their level, is that somewhere in our subconscious, a statement like that, there's no money to be made in music, your subconscious says, hey, there's no money to be made in music, don't you know? And so unless that saying, unless that idea is countered appropriately, things like that you carry with you throughout life. Now, I'm not saying that my dad and my uncles would have been amazingly successful musicians but I will say they were very talented and even out of practice, they are still very talented. In fact, my, my oldest, no, my second oldest uncle, um, and his son, you know, they, they, they do the karaoke thing out where they live in California. And my, my, my youngest uncle, he, he loves to go to karaoke and and him and his kids love to go. And, um, now, they're not near each other. They do this separately, but it's kind of interesting that they've both kind of developed this habit outside of, their own, of each other's sphere. But they're great singers, really good singers. And so you don't know. We don't know what could have happened. We don't know what could have been possible. But we do know that those kinds of things can affect your kids. So if you are a parent, please be careful the kind of things you say or how you say it. You know, if, if there's an intent behind it, make sure the intent is clear. Look, I want you to, first of all, be have some financial security and pay your bills. Obviously, you have to pay your bills, but please don't give up on your dream. And we'll comment about that in just a minute. Number six, practice your unique gift for its own sake. Now, this is something I've sort of pulled out of Gay Hendrix. It wasn't something that he actually said per se but it's there. The idea is evident. So the quote is, in the zone of genius, you have no need for your ego. You don't care about getting approval, getting control, getting even, or any of the other get-oriented goals of the ego. You're a free agent there, ready to respond to the infinite possibilities of the present moment. This was a quote from Gay Hendrix that I didn't end up using, but here's, here's what I'm saying. The, the first place most of us use our unique ability is in navigating the tricky shoals of childhood. You used it, probably without being aware of it, to cope with the stressful situations and optimize your ability to thrive. So in my case, since I was a loner, it was my imagination. It was my ability to tell stories to myself. That's why I gravitated to the stories in, in TV shows and the movies. And it's it's why I, you know, you see kids play with dolls or action figures, but you know, it's, I was creating movies in my own head. I was telling stories to myself to entertain myself. And I, and I often would turn that into telling, trying to tell stories to other people. The zone of genius. And, and that, again, that helped me cope with the stressful situations in my life and optimize my ability to thrive. And now we see I've become a writer and and some of the best feedback I get is on the stories that I've written or the, the books that I'm writing on, working on. And you when know, you look at the, the novellas I did for the Wars series with, with Grail Quest books, and I wrote a novella for James Wilder for his 10,000 Dawns shared universe, um, which is coming eventually, and uh, receiving great feedback on that and, and how good it was. And so I'm starting to identify that, hey, this thing that I did as a kid has is is still with me, and it's still there, and it's still part of my unique gift. The zone of genius is the only place where we can fully celebrate and express the gifts we've been given or our unique ability. It is not often in our comfort zone. We must overcome the fear of owning our full potential. The ego is focused on recognition and avoiding ostracism. Your ego will attempt to sabotage you by projecting an image of financial ruin or other disasters. Your quest to live in your zone of genius may seem like a search for something you have already decided isn't available anywhere. Why? This is me again. Aside, maybe it's because you feel like you're fundamentally deficient in life, like I did. Maybe it's a grandparent or a parent said something that has stuck with you that has held you back. Maybe it's a belief about wealthy people or successful people or happy people that may be a false belief. Maybe you still haven't overcome, you haven't experienced that leap of consciousness that helps you really understand where you're limiting yourself. Maybe you don't believe that you can practice your zone of genius. Maybe you don't believe you have any particular genius about you. So your quest to live in your zone of genius may seem like a search for something you've already decided is not available anywhere. I don't have a zone of genius. I don't have any unique gifting. I don't have any place where I can go to fully come alive. Back to Gay Hendrix, This false belief fuels a frantic search for external validation. I was in a frantic search for external validation, mostly from women but I'd spent so long being invalidated throughout my childhood, and maybe you have too. We think of ego as arrogance, but it's not really. It's it's almost just a, just a self-identity. Now, you may be arrogant about your self-identity. You may have a, a, a low self-esteem. Either way, your ego wants to be validated. So when we have a false belief that makes us search for an external validation, this is our ego talking. In the zone of genius, we have no need for ego. We don't care about getting approval, control, revenge, or any other get-oriented goals. All we care about is doing what we are uniquely gifted to do for its own sake. Now this is me pulling this out of, of this idea. We're not doing it to get anything. We're doing it to do it. It's why we exist. It is literally what we were made to do. And a validation can only serve initially to tell us, hey, you're on the right track. Hey, you're doing the right thing. Hey, you are doing what you're good at. The validation from, from what I get in my writing has been, Mostly positive, largely positive. I really can't remember a negative comment from anybody. That doesn't mean that there aren't things I can work on. That there aren't things I can improve on. But that validation says, "Hey, you're on the right track." And people who benefit from your genius will tell you how they benefit. If you want to get an idea for what you're good at, go to go to go to one of your friends and say, "Why are we friends?" And not in like a weird, like, what's wrong with you? But what is it about me that you gravitate to? What is it about our relationship that you find valuable? And people will tell you. And even even ask your closest friends, what do you think I'm good at? Ask your, your, your parents. Ask your significant other. What am I good at? And those people will tell you how they benefit. If you look at, if you go to the Cliff Ravenscraft show, go to cliffravenscraft.com, go to the podcast, or you can just look it up in your favorite podcast directory. In episode 603 of the Cliff Ravenscraft show, he was talking about, um, and it may have been a recording from, from the call. He did a hot seat on one of the mastermind group things um, with one of his friends friends and one of the uh, attendees of his free the dream concert conference and so he was he was struggling with the idea that he was good enough to be coaching these people or coaching this many people or or, you know he was struggling with the with with getting more clients and struggling with how to i guess market himself i think or, or anyway and and the point that cliff made he's like go back to all you you have these testimonials from people and he he cliff did this too he had has testimonials from the free the dream conference and as he was struggling with the idea of whether he was good enough to do this conference with people and and, and for people he realized that he has these testimonials from people and as they were explaining the benefit that they got, he realized, hey, this validation, I'm doing what I was made to do. This validation that I'm hearing, it literally is my creator telling me that I'm on the right track. It's literally the voice of God himself who made you saying, you're doing what you're supposed to do. This is what I made you to do. Now, you may not agree with God or you may not believe <laughs> in God, um, and that's fine. It's, that's up to you. That thing that you believe that made you and maybe you believe that it all just kind of happened and here you are but whatever it is that is your makeup whatever it is that built into who you are that's what you were made to do. That thing that you're uniquely able to do that's what you were made for. That's why you exist. And I, and I challenge you on a personal level, if you don't believe in a, in a higher power, in a, in a creator who made you, what gives you purpose in life? If you are not deliberately made for something, to me it's hard to believe that there is something specifically that I'm supposed to do with my life. Something that I'm particularly gifted at because there cannot be a gift without a giver. Something to think about. I, I do hope this has helped. Again, let's recap those six things. One, the upper limit problem is real. There is something there that is holding you back unless you've overcome that. And then congratulations, good for you. Number two, solving that upper limit problem requires a leap of consciousness. It's not just getting new information. You really have to understand on a on a fundamental level why you have whatever self-destructive behaviors are holding you back. Number three, getting past the substitutes. You have to create space within yourself to feel and appreciate natural good feelings. We don't just make up stuff to think about to make us feel good. You know, this takes some serious self-reflection and and self-examination. Number four, and and also getting past the substitutes. Uh, that's, That's hard. So if you are addicted, please, please get help for that. There is help for you If you are addicted to substances, but if you're addicted to other things like gambling and and, um, video games or or a sex addiction or whatever it is that gives you that feeling that you're trying to overcome, try to begin to understand on an emotional level the pain you're actually experiencing and where it comes from, and then you can get past your substitutes. Number four, we automatically reinforce our own self-image. No matter whatever, however we identify ourselves, our brain is working to stay consistent with that definition. Number five, limiting beliefs can affect your children. So be very careful what you say, how you say it, and the lessons that you are teaching them about their life and their future. Number six, practice your unique gift for its own sake. It's there. It's why you exist. Therefore, doing it, whether you're making money from it or not, is beside the point that unique gift, your zone of genius is a place where you should live more and more as life goes on and as time goes on. And that's all I have to say about that. You have a gift. You have a unique ability. You can use it and above all, use it to help other people. That's why you have your unique gift. It's there to benefit the world and not just benefit yourself. So, Thank you so much for listening. We've gone on not for a long time, it's not even an hour, so we're doing okay. It's not even 45 minutes. So, thank you so much for listening. I'm going to let my friend JR Murdoch tell you remind you the ways you can contact me. Remember, you can find me on Oh, I wanted to mention this. So the reason I'm I'm not the reason I'm bringing all this up, but I did mention the Free the Dream conference. It's put on by Cliff Ravenscraft. It's in Franklin, Tennessee. You can go to freethedream.live, I believe, and see, read all the details about the Free the Dream conference. You can see the testimonials there, uh, or you can go to cliffravenscraft.com and find it through that way. Um, listen to the testimonials. See what people have experienced. Um, and if you believe that you are not able to achieve your dream, if you don't even know what your dream is, keep in mind that the free the dream conference there's some emphasis on business and entrepreneur entrepreneurship entrepreneurism being an entrepreneur there's some emphasis on that but it's not just about that you can go if you just want to unlock your permission to live your dream to pursue your dream whatever that dream is come to free the dream conference be in this environment with like-minded people get some of the best most inspirational content that you can from some of the most inspirational speakers you'll ever see or ever hear from and, and associate and congregate and network with people who are also pursuing their dreams. And I think it will greatly benefit your life, so at least consider it. Um, it's not cheap but I think it's worth it. I don't need easy, I just need worth it. So again, remember, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, Radio Public, and Listen Notes. And also find me on YouTube, look for the 40 Plus Gamer. Anyway, here's J.R. Murdoch. Thanks very much for listening, and I'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Adventures of Indiana Jim,
1: a production of Visionary Creative Works. Call the voicemail line at 760-705. Indy. That's 760-705-4639. Send your emails or MP3 comments to Indiana Gym Podcasts at gmail.com. Follow Indy on Twitter at Indiana Gym. Visit adventuresofindianajim.net for more information and audio content. This is J.R. Murdoch on Twitter at J.R. Murdoch and at J.R.